Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to the podcast. I'm out on the road right now. Today is Monday, the 15th of April, 2019. This is episode number 700. And 53. Today is Mailbox Monday, and I'm going to answer a couple of controversial, imagine that, I'm going to take on a couple of controversial topics today. You guys have been asking me a lot about versions of the Bible. Do I believe there's only one version? What what does the Bible say about other versions of the Bible? You might be surprised at the answer. And if I have time, we're going to touch on the topic of essential oils, particularly in light of our discussion recently on yoga and Christianity. Wow. You guys aren't going to want to miss it, stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. I had a wonderful time, my family and I did. I'm actually recording this podcast from Lubbock, Texas. We left Waco this morning with just so much joy and encouragement in our hearts, having met many of you out on the road these past several weeks. We love to meet you, to hear what God is doing in your life. I love to meet podcast listeners and just hug your neck. So thank you so much for letting me do that. Also, I want to let you guys know if you haven't joined us over at MomStrong International, we would love to have you do that. It's about $2.15 a week to study the Bible with us. We've got a team of people now helping me with that Bible study. And really the goal at MomStrong International is threefold. I want to help you be strong in the Lord. I want to help you know who you are in Christ. And then we want to help you impart that knowledge and that strength to your children. And uh, so if you haven't checked it out yet, do it. Mom Strong International is a members-only network, and we've been working on it now for about a year and a half. It's designed to equip you for a job that only you can do. And that's to train your children to hear God's voice and to walk in truth no matter where the culture is heading. I believe that God wants to use this generation of believers to do something extraordinary. And so the heart of MSI is to just encourage you through the power of God's word to live a life that honors God in a culture that has rejected him. And part of what I'm doing here is coming out three times a week to the podcast and listening to your questions and hopefully taking you back to the word of God. And I said this in Waco this last weekend, and I'll say it again today, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what I have to say. It matters what God says. And so as I touch on some of these topics today, I'm going to encourage you to go back to the Word of God. I'm going to encourage you to understand God's heart as you walk in right relationship with Him, as you recognize that you're an ambassador for the Lord and what that looks like to get off the bench and onto the battlefield. You may be able to hear uh, my voice is tired. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you speak uh, three weekends in a row and you sleep in hotel rooms every night. So I appreciate you guys praying for us as we make our way home. We're going to be driving uh, back to the Pacific Northwest, and then I'll be home for just under a week, and then we fly. My husband and I will be flying uh, to Ottawa to speak at the RVHEA convention. And so if you're over there in that neck of the woods, come on out. I cannot wait to meet you. I really have a passion, and so does my husband, to encourage you to be set free to be the men and women that God would have you be. All right, so I'm going to jump into this topic today. This is a hot topic, and I get asked this question a lot. Typically, I avoid it, like I've been avoiding the yoga topic and really enjoying the conversations, by the way, that we're having out on the road with my husband and myself, with many of you who have come up and wanted to talk about some of the things that we're tackling here at the podcast. But the reality is we need to be talking about this stuff. And we may not always agree, 
But I, I'm hoping that we can make a good, sound, biblical argument for everything that we talk about. There will be some things that we discuss that I will, I believe are areas of personal freedom that maybe God doesn't address directly in His Word. And like I told you last week, I don't believe that yoga is one of those areas of freedom. I used to believe that. I don't believe it anymore because I don't think that you can separate uh, the root of yoga from the, the religion that is Hinduism. And so we made a very compelling biblical argument for that. Many of you have not had not listened to the podcast and criticized me uh, very vocally on social media and then went around and listened to it. And I heard from you later saying, wow, you're right. She did make a very compelling case. And that's really what we want to do. What I'm going to talk about today has a little less to do, I think, with what... Uh, with making that really solid biblical case and more of a philosophical case and more of a case for the historical accuracy of the Bible. So one of the questions that we get frequently here at the podcast is, is there a difference between the translations? Is The one I hear most often is, is the King James Version of the Bible the only reliable Bible. And if you follow me for very long at all, if you've read Mom Strong, Becoming Mom Strong, or you study with us at Mom Strong International, you'll notice that we use often several versions of the Bible. So clearly, I don't believe that the King James Bible is the only reliable version of the Bible. And in fact, I'm going to link back to some wonderful articles. The first one I'll quote from today is from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and he answers this question beautifully. And it's a question that we get a lot. And so I want to just encourage you, this isn't an issue for you guys to be arguing about and having be causing division and dissension, because the work of Bible translation is very complicated, and misunderstanding can easily arise. I know this because my husband and I both went to Bible college in Portland, Oregon many years ago, and this was often a topic of conversation in the cafeteria and in the coffee shop, and we don't have the original Hebrew and Aramaic Old Testament, or the original Greek New Testament as it was written by the inspired men of God. What we do have is an Old Testament in Hebrew or Aramaic and thousands of Greek manuscripts of part or all of the New Testament that have been painstakingly copied and passed on to us uh, through the centuries. And there are differences. There are differences in the Greek manuscripts. They've, we've got minor issues like punctuation and spelling and word order. And I've sat for you know a long time and listened to scholars argue back and forth about it, about uh, which verses were included in some manuscripts, why and, and not in others. But none of these differences affect the major doctrines of the Christian faith. And that's really what I want you to hear, because I know good people who disagree on that, and I've seen good people argue about it, and I've seen it uh, uh, really cause rift and division. And I think it's unnecessary. Some people prefer the King James translation because they're familiar with it um, from their childhood. My grandfather was a great example of that. Uh, my grandfather was a pastor, and he studied out of the King James. But when I went to school, when I went to a Christian school, he, he bought me a New American Standard Bible, and he and my grandmother taught me out of that. But when my grandfather preached, he always preached from the King James Bible. And by the way, uh, he always would, he took on a little bit of an Irish accent <laughs> whenever he would preach. It was so funny. I would, I remember sitting listening to him 
as a child in ways that he would never talk to me in real life. He would preach that way. And so I would hear him with this, this sort of Irish, uh, had a very sort of um, John Wayne-ish movie sort of uh, quality to it. But I remember my grandfather telling me that he loved the King James, but I, but he never took quarrel with the other ones. And I think partly because he was so familiar with it. Some people prefer the modern translations because they're more easily understood. Certainly that's been the case uh, with me. I, I, I teach from the word of God and I don't want to teach out of a, a language that no one understands. I mean, we don't speak in Latin. Uh, for that reason, right? And so a lot of uh, modern translators have the advantage, really, of using many older Greek manuscripts of the New Testament that were discovered after the King James translation was made. So a lot of scholars will consider these older manuscripts more reliable than the few later manuscripts that are available to those who translated the King James Bible. And the thing is, and this is another thing I really want you to hear, there isn't a translation that can be exactly the same as the source material that it's attempting to represent. So a good translation, and this is what I learned in, in Bible college. First of all, we know that scripture interprets scripture. So a good translation is going to be one that's going to stay as close to and as faithful as possible to the literal meaning and the spirit of the original text. And so some of them are going to be better than others, but I reject the idea that these newer translations have anything to do with a new age plot or changing the word of God or taking away from it or uh, any kind of, you know, I've heard all manner of conspiracy theories over the years. And I think this is a question of deciding uh, who has done the best job of putting the original words of scripture into clear and understandable English. And so how you do that, men and women, is you read several translations. And when you do this, you're going to have a better chance of grasping uh, the sense of the original text than if you stick with one favorite translation and just refuse uh, to look at the other ones. I also think it's interesting, and I've had this conversation with some of you out on the road uh, as this question will come up from time to time, but I think it's interesting and helpful to remember that there was a person behind the King James Version of the Bible, and his name was King James, <laughs> okay? And he authorized a particular translation for the Church of England in the 17th century. And you guys, that that translation that King James authorized, I do not believe, is any more authoritative for us today than any other translation. And even when that came out, it was criticized. It was criticized in its day by men and women who preferred earlier translations, and they had the very same angst about King James and his King James version of the Bible that other people uh, have had today with the ESV and the NASB and the NIV. Uh, and the New Living Translation, and I think people sometimes pick up these, uh, pick up two translations, and they want them to be word for word the same. And if they find a word that's missing, or they find a word that's changed, they immediately jump to a conspiracy theory, and they they say, "Well, something sinister is happening. We're taking away from the Word of God." But the truth is, both of these, and I learned this in Bible college. Uh, through studying different translations, both of these can be perfectly faithful translations of the original language because the basic structures of the language uh, differ one to another. And the translation is not just a matter of taking a Greek sentence and finding an English word to match. So one of my favorite books on this topic, and it's in my library and, uh, I've gone through this book at length over the years, and I'll link back to it in the show notes today. If this is something you want to dig into deeper, it's called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth uh, by Gordon Fee and Doug Stewart. And uh, I think they give a very balanced, very good approach to 
this idea of studying the different translations. So rather than focus on translations like the New American Standard Bible, which is really what I grew up studying, and then later on, uh, I was given an ESV, I have an NIV, I have an NLT. If I'm going to study, I'm typically going to read the the ESV. My husband and I really like that one for study. But I often will read, if I'm reading out loud to people, if I'm teaching, often I'll read from the from the NLT. And so rather than focus on how these transitions are different, I want you guys to understand that they share a whole lot in common. And the translations are a whole lot more similar than you might realize. And so I found a wonderful website, uh, and in it, this uh, gentleman by the name of Dave Brune suggests that they're similar in 26 ways, and I'm going to give you four of them, and I'll link back to this in the show notes today. Here's the first one. He says, every version translates thought for thought rather than word for word in many contexts. And you know this with modern, uh, with modern language today, right? We have slang in the English language, but we all know what we're talking about, right? I was just talking to my friend Ken Ham at Answers in Genesis a couple of weeks ago, and he was, uh, sharing with us some Australian slang, which is really, really funny. Like, for example, uh, they would call a wife, uh, bubble and strife. So in Australia, you say, Hey, where's the bubble and strife? Well, they, they know they're talking about a wife, but we would never say that in the United States because that's not what we say. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean the same thing. And so sometimes it's context. Uh, so it's every version translating thought for thought rather than word for word in many of these contexts. Every version is the second point gives a priority to meaning over form. Every version steps away from the original form in order to be grammatically correct in English. And every version sometimes gives priority to naturalness and appropriateness over the ideal of seeking to be transparent to the original text. This King James version that people like to argue about so often, it's a revision. It is also a revision. And there were people back in the 17th century that were pretty angry about it. I bet those guys are dead. <laughs> okay. So uh, here's a couple of suggestions for you as I sort of wrap up this discussion. I think it's far more profitable to look at what these translations have in common rather than argue about which English Bible translation is the best. I think it's very important that you grab several translations and start reading through them. And in fact, you can do that in the scripture writing challenge that I have uh, written for you every single month, right? Because the the most important thing that you're going to do is what I just said a few minutes ago, and that is to translate these versions of the Bible thought for thought. What is it that the Bible is trying to say? What is God trying to communicate to us? And in order to regularly benefit from the strengths of multiple translations, you guys, you got to read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. So don't get caught up into a fruitless and divisive controversies over which uh, of many good translations is the best one. And uh, certainly don't let this be deal breakers in your friendships and things like that. Instead, I want you to consider using a number of them in your study and in your reading, and then uh, pray that all peoples in all countries of the world would soon have the Word of God in their own language. And that really is, uh, for me, that's that's the bottom line. All right? So I hope that helps. I know some of you are going to be bummed out 
Uh, but this really is my, my firm conviction on this. And like I said, I have many translations of the Bible. My husband and I will often read a passage and then we'll look it up in the NASB. And in fact, a lot of what you're reading at MomStrong International comes from the NASB. And we might toggle back and forth between some of our favorite translations. Occasionally I'll read out of the King James Version. Uh, but you guys, this is not, these are not deal breakers and they shouldn't be deal breakers among God's people. We want to be encouraging people to read the word of God. All right. Really quickly, I'm going to address the issue of essential oil oils in light of the podcast that I just did on yoga. And I've had many of you, I'm glad you guys are listening. I've had many of you uh, email me all manner of divisive and controversial topics since I uh, stepped out on a limb and decided to address the topic of yoga in the culture. And I'll just tell you right now, I'm not going to address all of them. Some of them I think are, are foolish. There are some arguments I'm, I'm not going to get into on the podcast because I think they're foolish. And the Bible warns us over and over and over again not to engage in foolish arguments, not to be caught up in foolish arguments. And so I'm not going to bring things up here if I think it's foolish. Uh, but I, I did think something was interesting. A couple of you wrote and said, Hey, could you address, could you address the topic of essential oils? Because they believed that because essential oils are being used in new age practices, Many of them used in yoga studios, many of them used um, in, well, basically in just straight up practicing of pagan religions that somehow that makes the essential oils wrong. So let me tell you the difference really quickly between what I was talking about with yoga and Christianity and this idea that somehow if a, if an oil is used in a pagan practice, then somehow the oil then is, is uh, tied to it inextricably. Okay. So the you can't separate, and if you don't believe me, just go back and listen to the podcast again. You you cannot separate yoga from Hinduism. I don't care if you listen to Christian music while you do it. I don't care if you call it a stretch. One woman told me that it draws her closer to the Lord, and uh, and I'm I'm struggling with that because that's not the point of yoga. The point of yoga is a path to yoke you to another god, and it's a pathway, and paths take you places. And so I'm going to let you guys, uh, you, obviously you have to wrestle with that in your own spirit. But to me, the difference is an essential oil. You guys, oils are mentioned in the Bible all over the place, right? Uh, what did the three wise men take to Jesus? I mean, it was frankincense and myrrh, right? Uh, the oils are made of things that, that God has given us and they're not. And when we connect them to a practice that's pagan, whether it's Buddhism or new age religion or whatever it is, if we say, oh, you can find humility in a bottle, that's baloney. That's baloney. You don't find joy in a bottle, right? But it doesn't mean that the essential oil is bad for you or somehow uh, somehow wrong. It's what you do with the oil. And the difference again between uh, yo- between this and yoga is yoga is a doing the whole idea is a doing. The essential oil is a thing. And essential oils come from what God created for us. Many of you have heard me talk about essential oils on the podcast. I actually love them. They've helped me tremendously uh, overcome a serious problem I have had with um, anxiety and panic in my life. And if you haven't heard me talk about it, just Google it. Uh, I've shared my testimony many times here at the podcast. I love to put, I love to take essential oils with me when I travel. I put peppermint in my bag. I use it for uh, headaches. Um, oh my goodness, I, I'll put, uh, you know, wintergreen on my back if I've got muscles that are hurting me. But if I were to take those oils and anoint myself and then start doing yoga or start worshiping a, a pagan god, it wouldn't be the fault of the oil, it'd be the fault of what I was actually doing. So there's a difference between a doing, which is yoga, and a thing, which is an essential oil. So we could probably go on and on about this, uh, but I hope that at least, uh, 
touches or at least scratches the surface a little bit of it. Keep the questions coming. If you guys want to continue dialoguing with me, you can shoot us an email, which goes to my staff. I know I don't see all the emails that come in, but please, 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 if it's about the podcast, please write uh, Mailbox Monday if you've got a question that you would like to see addressed and shoot us an email podcast at thebusymom.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. It encourages us so much. I thank you for the reviews that you're leaving over at iTunes. We are enjoying reading your reviews. We read every single one of them and you encourage us so much. One of the uh, one of the newer reviews that we read recently was from Kelly and she said, this podcast is always so timely in addressing our culture in love through a biblical worldview. Heidi always says at the beginning of each episode, I think you'll be encouraged, and I always am. So thank you, Kelly, for saying that. We would love it if you would leave reviews for podcasts over at iTunes. If you've not yet left a review for Becoming MomStrong or Prayers to the Battlefield or my newest book, Bible Promises for Moms, we'd be very encouraged if you would do that. You can leave them anywhere the book reviews are left. And it's not too late to join us at MomStrong International. You can jump right into the study. We're studying right now biblical discernment in an unbiblical age. And so really excited to dig into this topic. It's something I'm very passionate about. And you can join us today at MomStrongInternational.com. If you're interested in becoming a leader with us at MomStrong International, you can apply to host your own group today. There isn't any charge to become a leader. And once you're approved, you're going to get access to leadership training, to videos, uh, once a month live Zoom calls with me when I'm home and uh, more. So apply today at momstronginternational.com. I appreciate you listening. We're praying for you. We love you. Thank you for the encouragement that you're giving us out on the road and uh, all throughout the ministry year. We really appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody. And I'll see you back here on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com. 